Welcome to the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair's week of podcasts and performances featuring local, national, and international activists and authors. The Book Fair Collective and From Embers have teamed up this year to release presentations over our podcast platform that can't be held in person due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Recordings of these voices of resistance were conducted on unceded Indigenous territories across so-called British Columbia and beyond. For more information about the book fair and a full schedule of online events, you can check out victoriaanarchistbookfair.ca. Listeners in the Victoria region are encouraged to visit Camus Books at camus.ca for anarchist publications and more. Thanks for listening. Victoria Anarchist Book Fair Collective would like to acknowledge the interview you are about to hear with Molly Whitam, Plato of the Gidam Den clan of the Wittoten, a dominantly occurring on unceded Wetjana territory in so-called Victoria, BC, uh, and on Unseated with Dalton Land. Thank you for attending this battle podcast featuring an interview with Molly Whitham. Molly Whitham is a warrior who is heavily involved with the Dalton Sovereignty Movement. My name is Nathan Mark, and I am privileged to have this opportunity to ask Molly Whitham about her role in the community and within the Sovereignty Movement. She had devoted her life to defending and protecting her land from Canadian invaders. Molly, thank you for joining me today. Earlier in 2020, with Dalton resistance was involved in direct hacking to defend the territory. The rest of the country set up blockades in solidarity. More to the point, the blockades were clogged for the RCMP to leave the territory. Uh, is there an update on the current situation in the Wittoten territory? Yes, um, thank you, Nate, and thank you for, for having me on this interview today. I just want to give a brief update on what's happening here in Wet'suwet'en territory. Um, the RCMP the RCMP are continue to be in the territory. They have not left. They have vacated their uh, CISO office, which is at 29 kilometer on Gesteway's territory, on Gidimden territory. The office is, the detachment is still there, however, and they continue to patrol the territory regularly and harass Wet'suwet'en and our guests on the territory and to literally, um, transport CGL in and out of the territory. And so they act as their personal um, bodyguards and as their personal guides to trespass onto our territory. So CGL is continuing to push forward with the work. Um, 
the negotiations that have are happening with the province and the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs have no impact on what's actually happening with Coastal Gas Link and the pipeline right now. And so the RCMP are continuing to harass people and Coastal Gas Link is, is actually ramping up their construction um, because of COVID. And while everybody was locked down in COVID, they decided that that was a good time to, to get into our territories um, without permission. Uh, Don Horton declared Coastal Gas Link waters as dental waters, correct? Yes, that's right. So they are considered essential and essential service. And um, there has been an out, has been cases of COVID-19 in the man camp in Burns Lake, which is Luxillu territory. It's still um, Wet'suwet'en territory. They have a 700 man camp there. And they have had cases of COVID-19 there. Also, the RCMP that are patrolling our territory and trespassing are coming from all over the Lower Mainland, all over other parts of so-called BC. Um, And they aren't taking any precautions. They're not wearing masks while they're driving around in vehicles together. They're not um, wearing masks or gloves when they stop our, our people and demand to see licenses and um, registration and those types of things or giving out tickets. So none of them are taking any precautions. You see them all driving around with one another and they're staying in our hotels, staying in our community, um, going out and eating at restaurants where our people go, um, you know, and putting everybody at risk. Uh, even though, even though, uh, you said that the negotiation have no impact on Coastal Gatlin uh, work on your territory. Um, can you please tell uh, if you can, what the status of the negotiation are? Yeah, so basically after the MOU was signed between the province, the federal government, and the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs, um, COVID happened. And so there wasn't the ability to get together as clans to discuss some of the issues that were up for discussion. So the MOU was supposed to begin discussions on how we're going to implement title over 22,000 square kilometers of our territory, which is the whole territory. Um, And so far, nothing significant has come out of that. Um, We've had challenges with COVID-19 and doing, you know, having our traditional decision-making processes in place. And they haven't slowed down with RCMP harassment. They haven't slowed down with the Coastal Gas Link work. And so really, um, the negotiations between the government and the hereditary chiefs is a bit of a separate issue than what we're dealing with on the ground. Okay. Um, and at any time, did the RTMP uh, verbally or uh, through the written word, did they ever commit to uh, leaving your territory or uh, with that, uh, that not something they ever brought up? Yes, they did commit to leaving the territory and they haven't done so yet. They have, um, they took some of their workers out of the CISO office, so they weren't there 24 um, 7. But that's about it. They continue to stop in there, they continue to use the detachment, they're just not staying there anymore. 
all the time. And, uh, but they continue, they've actually ramped up uh, surveillance in our territory. So they have more RCMP there now than they have in the past. And other than when the raids were happening. So they are actually increasing their numbers again. And I think that's because there's more, um, there's more coastal gas link activity happening in other parts of the territory. So coastal gas link now has three different private security firms as in addition to the RCMP um, patrolling around and escorting them through the territories. That is very unfortunate, Maui. Um, on January 7, 2019, and again on February 5, 2020, Canadian forces invaded with Dalton territory with the goal of removing the dead from the entranceway into the territory in order to facilitate work by total documents on unceded land. Can you speak about the two invasion from a perspective of a Wisconsin woman who personally endured the threat path of her home? Yes. Uh, I can't describe th those events as anything less than the term genocide. When we think about genocide, we think about all of the things that... Um, you know, that indicate that genocide is happening, and that's removal of Indigenous people from their own territories, um, forcibly entering, um, violently entering, threatening people with death um, to remove, to move off of their territories. And so all of those things are part of uh, are part of the genocide that the Canadian state is inflicting on Indigenous people and specifically Wet'suwet'en. If you look at the way, what is going to happen if this pipeline goes through, um, they're currently, even without pipeline being laid in the ground, impacting how we can survive. They're impacting our water. They're impacting our way of life. We, ha we can't go anywhere on our territory and harvest foods um, without security coming and harassing us, without the RCMP showing up. We can't go berry picking. We can't get our medicines without somebody showing up and filming us and harassing us and asking us what we're doing there. Um, we, can't, we haven't been able to build our homes on our territories without being constantly surveilled. And then you look at what would actually happen if this pipeline went through and the environmental devastation of what, how that would impact us. And that's taking away all of our food security. That's taking away our way of life. That's committing genocide on so many different levels. And so when the RCMP come in and raid and the militarized police come in with guns pointing at us and arresting us and throwing us in jail, um, those, are, that, those are all acts of genocide to me. And it's, you know, we have experienced so much violence by the colonial state, by colonizers, by the people that first came to our territories. Um, we've experienced, we have that in our DNA. We carry that with us, all of those experiences. And so it's very traumatic. It's very exhausting. Um, we've been in this fight now since, you know, for the past two years at Gidimden. And then Unistoten's been in it 
you know, at Unistoten Camp and their healing center for the last 10 years. But this goes back since first contact that we've been fighting this. And it just looks a little bit different. But now we're kind of coming full circle again, where it's, you know, they're using the exact same tactics, like they're using guns against us to remove us from our land. And so it's very scary. The racism has increased all over the territory. People have been experiencing more racism because the police, when they come in like that, they're telling society that it's okay to do violence to us, that we don't matter, that we're not, we're not fully human. It's that exact same argument that, you know, where, how racism was created, the ideology of it is that we're not human enough to matter and that it's okay um, to steal our lands and it's okay to inflict violence upon us. And so that's what's happening right now. And we're seeing the fallout of that in local community members, local non-Indigenous people coming and burning down our structures, coming and shooting guns off right outside our camp, speeding by when we have children and, you know, pets that regularly cross the road. Um, Those are acts of, those behaviors show that they don't care about our lives, that our lives don't matter. And so it's a very frustrating and scary place to be. Um, And that's all over and above the actual trauma of over 100 militarized RCMP invading our territory and pointing guns at us. It uh, it is important to note that the withdrawal we did didn't happen recently. It had been going on for decades. In 1997, the Supreme Court recognized the right of Aboriginal title with the Dalgamoot uh, Court case, the first of its kind in Canada. What are some of the specifics that the Dalgamoot uh, case enabled the Wisconsin to do as an agent from the colonial legalist perspective? Well, the Delgamuk case, Delgamuk Kisteway case was very important and it was a landmark case that really enabled a lot of other nations to move forward on the fact that we had never extinguished title. And so what it did was it it proved through the oral history, it was the first time that they had accepted oral history um, as testimony in the courts. And so all of our hereditary chiefs had gave, given testimony of how we used the land, how we never um, ceded the land, surrendered the land, uh, never lost it in war, and that that was that we had full full title to the territories. And so they recognized that we had never extinguished that title. Um, And so a lot of other nations went ahead and built on that case to win other victories in the courts. Um, The Wet'suwet'en didn't do that. What they said was that we had to go and negotiate with the province and negotiate with the government to see what that looked like implemented on the ground. And so obviously we know that the treat that was the at that time the BC treaty process which wasn't willing it wasn't uh capable of giving us what we needed and so we ended up backing out of that treaty process. Um one of the things that was important that that case did for us was it gave a lot of people who had been heavily colonized the um 
the sense that they did have jurisdiction and that it hadn't been extinguished. So it was a bit of a validation, even though it was coming from the this colonial system. It was even the colonial system couldn't deny that we had full title and that we didn't ever surrender it. So we still own those lands. And so it gave people a... It gave people hope in that we could implement our laws again on our territories. Um, obviously, we haven't been able to do that. We've seen that that hasn't really done anything for us on the ground. And so that's why a lot of people now are just implementing our laws on the ground. We don't need to wait and recognize, have somebody recognize us to be able to do that. That's exactly what Get Him to Checkpoint is doing, implementing our laws on the territory and what Unistoten are doing and what Laksamasu are doing and other clans of the Witsuit. In. We're, sh- we're just implementing and living our laws. That's what we're doing. And we're not waiting around for anybody to tell us that we're allowed to do that. I can annotate in solidarity. I have noted the sometimes the divide in indigenous community between bandit families and predatory. I know that there's an issue in the Wisconsin territory. Can you please? Yes, definitely. I think that it's, this is an issue that happens in any, any sort of government. Like you look at the, you know, provincial, the federal government, there's divides and there's different parties and there's, you know, there's not consensus at all across the board. It's something that happens in any sort of government. Um, But what's important to point out is that the band councils were put in place to specifically undermine our hereditary system. And so our hereditary system is designed in order to um, have a sustainable territory in order to provide for everybody in within our clans and within our territory in order to have sustainability and food security. Um, that's what our potlatch system is designed around is the protection and sustainability of our land. And then you look at the Indian Act ban system, which came in and was forced upon our people. We didn't even want it. Um, it was our traditional system was undermined at every turn. And then it, we were, it was imposed on us, this ban council system. Um, and the ban council system is meant to and designed to benefit uh, the Canadian government and the provincial government and designed to govern only the reserved lands as if, um, as if it was a, you know, a, a municipality basically. And so uh, of course we see conflicts with that. And that's why CGL went to all the bands because they're an extension, like an arm of the federal government and asked them to make deals and to sign off because they don't actually have jurisdiction over the territories. They have jurisdiction over the reserve. And so um, they thought, you know, that's their oldest trick in the book is divide and conquer. And we're not playing into that. We love all of our people. And yes, there's conflicts and disputes, but um, that's expected with colonization and the fallout of that. So we're just going to keep moving ahead, knowing that we're doing the best possible thing for all of our people and our future generations. It is not often that we are afforded the opportunity to gain knowledge of a traditional dominant structure. Do you mind explaining the outland system form of government governance that you guys uh, have in place? 
Sure. So we have um, five clans of the Wet'suwet'en Nation, and that makes up 22,000 square kilometers of territory in so-called northern BC. And within each clan, we have different house groups, and those house groups are like family groups. And each house group has a house chief, which is the head chief. And that person is responsible to speak on behalf of their house and to make decisions about the territory and to basically their job is to protect their territory and make sure that all their house members have enough um, to sustain themselves out of from their territory. And they're responsible to work with the other house chiefs in their clan um, to host potlatches and to do business and to marry people and, and um, bury people and all of those kinds of things. And so we have a potlatch system, which is basically like our, um, you know, our government hall where everybody gets together and witnesses all the business that happens. That includes people taking chief names, um, decisions about the territory, that are made and so all of these house groups work together within the clan to um, to do that work and so there's 38 distinct house group territories within all of the five clans so each house group has different parts of the territory that belong to them that they're responsible for and so um, that's how it works and when we get together to make decisions all of the all of the supporting chiefs they get together and hear what people's concerns are and they talk about those concerns and they um, do more research and find out more if there's conflicts and they try to help resolve those conflicts and then they bring it to the to the higher chiefs to make the decisions about about the territory and so um, it's a very old system that's designed to make sure that everything and everybody is taken care of and it's worked for us for tens of thousands of years and we're not willing to give that up in in the decision making part that Maury um, within a house it, uh, do the touching happen and then the house keep take that to the hierarchy and acting on the information or is the information uh, approved through consent first from the house and then the board then the house keep take to the to the larger keep of the clan like how did that how did that work? Like how we contented on the information before the outfit told before the other kid? Well, each house can is a bit of an autonomous uh, structure. And so if a house makes a decision about their territory, as long as it's not impacting other house groups and other um other clans, they have the full right to make a decision on their own in their house territory. And so um, it is correct what you were saying about, you know, people come and they give information and then the supporting chiefs, they help the house chief to make the decision. Um, But ultimately the house chief has to make a decision that's consistent with our law. And so for example, you can't have a house who all agree that it's okay to destroy a part, a significant part of their territory, um, because that goes against our laws. 
And so that's the house chief's job is to ensure that the decisions are consistent with our laws to, and they're looking ahead, you know, generations and generations ahead. And they're looking back at all of the decisions that their ancestors had made and the teachings that their ancestors have given them in order to make those decisions. But ultimately, if there's an emergency and something's happening on a territory, it's up to that house chief to make the decisions even if he has to make he or she has to make them um, themselves and then discuss it with the house later it's ultimately up to them to make sure that it gets um, protected okay that that down uh, great thank you for that um, what are your plans going forward well, we've had a really busy summer and um, we have uh, three portable trapping cabins that we're trying to complete. Um, we have one that's complete um, currently, one that was actually built in Victoria and that's going to be heading up um, to the territory soon. And then one in the territory that we're, that we're attempting to complete um, in the fall work camp. And so we have a, a work camp that's heading, that's coming up here so that we can get ready for the winter and, uh, and see what's happening on the territory. So we're, we just put a call out for um, people to come up to the territories um, to help us with that, to do firewood, to do physical labor for cooks, um, for carpenters, to help finish this, the infrastructure out on the territory, um, gearing up for what's coming up this winter. Uh, we also have put out a food drive request for anyone who's harvesting gardens and might have extra produce or extra um, preserved foods to um, get those all collected in Victoria or in Cobble Hill um, before, before September 20th. And so those are some of the things that are happening, but also in terms of Coastal Gas Link, we have some significant work that's ahead of us. So um, currently, up until now, they haven't, Coastal Gasling hasn't been doing work on Gidemden territory. Um, and now they're about to attempt to begin construction on our territory. And one of the first things that they're going to do is to start clearing the right of way in our territory. They also are planning to drill under the river to do some geotechnical drilling underneath Wadzinkwa, which is our sacred headwaters where our salmon spawn and the last clean drinking water that we have. Um, one of the things is when they drill under the river, it disrupts the groundwater, the under the groundwater. And so that impacts the salmon that are spawning because um, they don't know in which direction the water's flowing. And that water comes up through the gravel and helps regulate the temperature for the salmon spawning eggs. And so any disruption to that groundwater is going to impact our already suffering, almost extinct um, salmon spawning habitat. And so it's very important to us that we protect that. This is coming up very soon on September 15th. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but it's very important that we um, have support when that happens and that we have support in the territory um, to finish up some of the work that we've been doing. More we get to follow up on that. Uh, we are doing live uh, December 14th. So, um, It'll be available to the wider public in a matter of a few days. 
Okay, great. Um, having said that, is there anywhere online where that and allies can go to find more information about your struggle? And the second part of that is, is there anything that we can do uh, besides spread the word uh, about your struggle uh, up there? Yeah, so uh, we have a website. It's called yintaaccess.com. Um, and that's where people can go to uh, check out what's going on. There's a call out that's on the website um, or the, sorry, the application form on the website to come to camp. Um, we also have a Facebook page and an Instagram as well. And so um, people can check that out. Uh, it's with, so it's an access point on Facebook and get them then checkpoint on Instagram. And the both of those sites are available on our website as well. And so on our website, you can click on come to camp and there's a form there. And please spread the word that we're looking for people to come up that we need people this fall that we we need people to come and support us and stand with us. And we're asking people to take COVID precautions before they come to be self isolating and to be very careful about um, interactions with others before they come to camp and that we will have COVID protocols in place for being up here because we don't want to put any of our elders and language speakers at risk um, but we do need people to to be with us and so we're asking people to spread the word and to put a call out and let others know. Is there any protocol um, that visitors should be aware of um, at the coming uh, or making plans to come up? Yeah, so if people can um, ensure that they have, um, that they're bringing some some skills that, um, that they're aware of the of possibility of um, arrest, because, you know, we had, as you've seen from the raids last year, and the RCMP, it's, you know, people come up and, and sometimes it, we get into situations where the RCMP are, will, will arrest anybody. You know, you don't have to be doing anything. None of the arrests and the raids actually came, resulted in any charges being laid. So they're just basically scooping people to get them off of the territory and doing that. So we want people to be aware of what kind of situation that they're getting themselves into, um, but also that... Um, we have these COVID protocols, and if you uh, contact us through the website or our email at yintaaccess.com or at gmail.com, then um, we can explain what the COVID protocols are around coming up. Okay, thank you very much for your time, Molly. Uh, the Victoria Anarchist put first, I'd like to really appreciate the knowledge that you were able to share today. And uh, we hope that we can do uh, the best we can to support your struggle going forward. Well, I really appreciate
appreciate and really want to extend my um, gratitude for all of the work that you've done to support us. I know that we have such a huge um, support network in Victoria and on Wasanich territories, and we're just so grateful for that. It's one of my favorite places to go and to, um, you know, meet with the supporters and all the people, our allies that are doing so much work for us. And, and I just want you to know that we see that um, we really appreciate it and we can, you know, appreciate your continued support. It's our pleasure and we, we really value being in solidarity and, and doing the struggle, um, not for you guys, but right beside you. So uh, we're more than happy to continue that work. That's so great. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me on the show and uh, for spreading the word and, and uh, yeah, hope to, to hear from you guys soon. Okay, you bet. Thank you very much. Okay. Awatsa. The Victoria Anarchist Book Fair Collective acknowledges the Lekwangen and Wasanich peoples, also known as the Songhees and the Squimalt Nations and the Sanich Nation, whose occupied traditional territories we organize, live our lives, work, play and hold our events upon. Check our episodes with Indigenous Land Defenders on victoriaanarchistbookfair.ca to find out how to support the struggle for Indigenous sovereignty in your region. Visit yintaaccess.com, which is y-i-n-t-a-h-access.com to apply for joining the Gedimpton Access Point on Gedimpton Territory or connect with them by mail at yinteraccess at gmail.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. You can't bulldoze over my people. Our land, our final say, no pipelines will come in our land. So you don't know, we live here.
our final say. No pipelines will be coming on our land. We're peacefully asking you to leave. You don't live here, so you don't know. We have berry patches here. We have medicines here. The bears live here. The moose live here. We live here. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded, unsurrendered territories of the Hussainic and Lekwungen peoples, this land now referred to as Victoria. CFUV is proud to amplify Indigenous, Femme, and Queer voices on our airwaves. To see a full spectrum of our programs, please visit CFUV.ca. Yeah. 
Hi, my name is Eunice Joe. My new channel name is Tlaashucks, and I invite you to tune into the award-winning First Nations radio show, CM Na Swamot. Tune in every Wednesday, 11 a.m. on CFUV 101.9 FM, UVic Campus Radio, CM Na Swamot, my honored Native fellow people. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM, the voice of Victoria, online at cfuv.ca. Check out our new program schedule on our website to make sure you never miss your favourite CFUV shows. Did you miss last week's episode? Don't fret, because you can relive all the action online. CFUV 101.9 FM, the voice of Victoria.
From Embers is a show produced about anarchist ideas and practice across so-called Canada. Every week we spend about an hour going in-depth about ideas, histories, and ongoing struggles that we think are important. We're a part of the Channel Zero Anarchist Podcast Network. You can check it all out at fromembers.libsyn.com.
the human beings, the people. See the spiritual in the natural, through sense and feeling. Everything is related. All the things of earth and in the sky have spirit. Everything is sacred. Confronted by the alien nation, the subjects and the citizens see the material religions through trauma and numb. Nothing is related. All the things of the earth and in the sky have energy to be exploited. Even themselves, mining their spirits into souls sold. Into nothing is sacred, not even their self. The Ally Nation, Alia Nation. The government of Canada sincerely apologizes and asks the forgiveness of the Aboriginal peoples of this country for failing them so profoundly. This is stolen land where you've been standing, understand it. Switch it from stitching bandage to substandard with derangement and some things. Reparation made for corporate gain. First Nation pains a moral stain. We hide genocide on reservations. Too many pages of our histories erased to mitigate the national shame of it. Built by slave, black labor, hobbling, arrogant racist. John A. McDonald, $10 notices. Check the quotes, genocide. Personified, exposed Colonial go both coasts When they got railway posts with the Chinese ghosts Mine for diamond, nickel and gold Total control of petrol flow Ayo, no Canada We want none of that Bogus, broken corporate management Jingle, patriot, fascist Petrol national, carbon capital, man Do you understand Where you stand Capital of resource extraction, fracking, mining, and conflict diamond. The gold, silver's the other mineral fire. Cause we hide the villainous minds behind it. We hide the ties of corporability binding to ecocide they leave behind them. Our law facilitates the rape of the lands, the lakes, and the forests that we take from shore, offshore, earth's core. Suck the source while cops and